hey, Jim, look around the room right now. Everyone is here because of you. The moment I heard those words, it changed everything for me. And yet it changed nothing because I truly am what I always felt I was. I'm the connector. That clarity is what brings me to you and what drives this show, the Remote Start Podcast. Here, I connect my lifelong passion for bringing people together with my love of business and branding in hopes that these talks might better connect your community with what your company is all about. So let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the target audience you want to serve and how we can use these two things to create an incredibly strong community for your business. I'm your host, Jim Doyon. Let's get something started. What is up, Remote Start Nation? I'm Jim Doyon, your host, and I'll welcome you to another episode of Remote Start. Today, we have a special episode, especially if you're in the cannabis industry. Today, I'm going to bring on Will Reed. Will is the founder and CEO at Canna Planners. They are working to normalize the cannabis industry through beautiful design and professional web services. Will and I get into the weeds here on some marketing tactics, understanding your why, why it's so important to truly understand your customer and who you're trying to target as a brand. And I'm really excited because I, Will and I do a lot of the same types of things with branding and brand identity, but we also do it in our own way. So it's really cool to have a conversation with another expert in the industry and hear his thoughts and, and kind of go back and forth on, on what we're seeing working. So with that said, I'd really like to introduce Will to the show and Remote Start Nation, welcome to another episode of Remote Start. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to Will Reed. All right, Will, I want to welcome you to the Remote Start podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming on board and, and, and being a part of it. My pleasure. Thank you, Jim, for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So we have a lot to talk about today, a lot about branding, brand identity, marketing, you know, a lot specifically for the cannabis brand itself or the cannabis industry itself, which I'm really excited yeah. to, to talk about that with you on. Um, but I also, you know, Remote Start Podcast is about starting a business and building a brand. So let's start from the beginning. You know, tell me something <laughs> about yourself. Tell me something about your business that, you know, you've had to overcome in getting to where you are now. <sighs> How how much time do we have? <laughs> I feel how like it's it's most yeah it's it's mostly overcome, especially for me because I you know this is my can of planners was my first real and I'm air quoting for anybody listening and not seeing me my first real uh, dive into entrepreneurialism. So there was you know the amount of stuff I didn't know could fill you know several congressional libraries uh, full of books. So so for me it was. Uh, throwing myself right in the fire. That was, that was first and foremost. Um, some of the practical kind of answers to your questions are, well, cannabis, you know, cannabis is for sure a difficult uh, business to be in. Um, and we'll get into the whys of that, but um, that was, you know, so cannabis planners ostensibly were, you know, we're a marketing agency. We do creative stuff and we, we build websites. And at the beginning I could have easily just started a, a website company for bakeries or laundromats or whatever. Um, but cannabis was happening and, you know, it was too, it was too much of an opportunity to, you know, say is, you know, in, in balancing out, Hey, is this worth it? Like the answer was a, you know, resounding yes. So, yeah. you know, 
when one enters the cannabis industry on whatever you're doing, whether you're growing, you know, weed or you're selling it or you're doing something like what I'm doing and you're doing, which is, you know, not professionally touching the plant at all. Um, you make a choice. <laughs> like that's the choice is you're either in the game um, and you got to deal with all the stuff that comes with it or go build websites for laundromats. Yeah. Uh, the, we, we started going through, um, we started gaining a little bit of traction in 2019 and then um, in 2020 COVID happened. Um, I don't know if, do you remember this happening, Jim, I, or is I, this, did I, I make this up? I, okay, I think it, really it happened, happened, right? Cool. It happened. So there was a moment there where I'm sure I was one of a billion entrepreneurs well you know how many entrepreneurs are in this country i was one of a million in this country who said oh shit i'm screwed <laughs> like yeah. there goes my business you know what i mean um so that was a hardship uh you know luckily luckily for us it it you know we paid attention to it made a small pivot and um it worked out in our favor but that was for sure a big hardship. So there, I mean, there's so many, like it's a day-to-day -day yeah. thing, you know, like I just got healthcare for this company. And like, that was just like a mental heart. Like what an emotional oh, yeah. journey, like my insurance providers took me on to like, you know, what a, ugh. so there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's every day you're learning something as, you know, especially me, because like I said, this was, you know, I didn't have a handbook, um, yeah, no one said this is these are the things you need to do to start a company or run a business or any of those things. So what you do before you started Canna Planners? So I'm glad you asked this because this ultimately was the original hardship, right? So the original hardship with Canna Planners was being fired from my nine to five job. So in February of 2018, like the beginning of 2018, I walked into work one day and was asked to, to turn around, right? Oh wow! Uh, and and not come back, basically, you know. Uh, and I didn't see it coming, and I didn't. And Canna Planners had existed and probably played a role in my being asked to leave, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really plan for this. I my my thought was Canna Planners will be the deciding factor as to when I quit this job or when, you know, I, I do whatever. Yeah. But the universe had a different, uh, a, a different plan. And if looking back, like that was the best and worst, one of the best and worst days of my life, because it was embarrassing. Like being fired is like, it fucking sucks. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst feeling. Um, so there were a lot of emotions and, there were a lot of practical anxieties that like just took over. It's like, Oh, well I have to pay rent and these other 20 bills, like in 20 days, what am I going to yeah. do? Um, so let know, me, so right now yeah. it, there's so many people that are getting laid off from their jobs all, all around the, the country. And yeah. you know, people that are probably dealing with the same exact thing you just went through, you know, back in 2018. So yeah. you had already kind of started can of planners but you were still yep. focused on, on your day-to-day -day job, but now you had, you had a serious choice to make. Maybe. And, and you know, like you said, like you got to think about rent and everything else that comes along with it. So what were the steps? And for anybody that just went through this and 
you know, what can you help them to get through right now in the remote start nation of like, Hey, I, I just suffered this hardship. Like I got to get on my feet and I got to go and, and, and do it. What did you do? Dude, <laughs> there was a lot of metaphorically metaphorical and actual looking in the mirror and kind of asking these questions to myself. So, so let me just preface this by saying, all of your listeners are not entrepreneurs, right? Maybe some of them right. are, and maybe some of them want to be, and maybe some of them think that they should be, but that doesn't make everybody an entrepreneur, right? So the first question, one, if you're in that situation, the first question really needs to be way more simple than what's my business and how do I start it? It's what kind of live life do I need to, do I want to live? Right. It's it's how do you know, despite being employed or not, like it's almost irrelevant. It's how do I want to live my everyday? Like, what is my everyday existence and how what's going to make me feel fulfilled? So that's a huge, heady, philosophical, you know, philosophical question that man, uh, human has been asking themselves since uh, they developed the frontal cortex. So like yeah. the, the question of why. Right. That's... Not why are we here, but why am I here? Right. What is my purpose here? Um, and I kept going back to God damn it. You are the shittiest employee. You are such a <laughs> like you just got fired. Like you're a bad employee. Um, yeah. You know, and and I think that's actually a common and probably good trait amongst entrepreneurs is there's a there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of ego. There's a bit of, uh, you know, obviously a lot of ambition. Um, and there's determination. And at that moment, like I just accepted all three of those things. I was like, I, I think I'm an ambitious person. I at least see the opportunity that's in front of me. Um, I'm determined to make a solution. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm determined. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out. And for maybe some of those, excuse me, some of your listeners in that case, it's like, you know, work on your resume. Go apply for 20 jobs, you know, maybe go, go get a new job. Right. But for me, I, I was self-aware enough, or at least at that moment to be like, you can't work for anybody. You suck at that. <laughs> You're not good at that. So it was, what am I good at and what kind of life do I want to live? And ultimately I figured out it was like one that I wanted to be in control of. Like it was as simple as that. Yeah. You know, it was as simple as that. And then the rest just kind of, okay, if I'm controlling my own life, there's really, you know, I'm either, and I hate to use this phrase, so I'm sorry, but like you can either be the rise and grind dude, or you can be, you know, living in the park. Right. Yeah. And it was really like that because, you know, I got fired on the first, I had to pay rent on the 31st. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so once you like, make that decision, once you change your mindset, and you realize like this, I have to do this. Like I'm, I'm not, yeah, I, I am that shit. I, I might've been a shitty employee. I might've been whatever else, but like now I'm, I'm, I'm on this and I have to go forward and I have to do whatever I can to pay rent. What, what yeah. was the first step that you did to, to start getting your name out there, start building a community around, around your brand? Yeah. Well, luckily for me, like I said, like can planners may have played a role in my, my, you know, termination because I had been working on it for at that point, you know, at least a full year, but maybe a year and a half or something like that. And in that year and a half, um, you know, I had faked it until I made it right. Yeah. And I had uh, established what I wanted to. So, so in Burlington, 
um, as we were talking about in the pre-interview, there's this weird little tech bubble that exists and it's existed since the tech bubble existed um, since the late nineties. So there's a, there's a comp, there's a couple companies here that do what can that, that do what we do, which is digital marketing, pretty simple. It's been around forever. It's nothing sec. It's, you know, it's not a unicorn. It's yeah. not an original thing. There's a billion companies that do it, but there are companies in this town that do it on a scale. That's insane and do it spe for specific verticals. So I would watch, a company down the road called dealer.com get bought for $998 million. Um, and they're doing what, you know, they're focused on the automotive industry and they've got it cornered yeah. and they've been doing it for 25 years. You know, there's another one that did it for grocery stores. There's one that does it for the real estate industry. There's one that, you know, does it for plumbers and HVACs and they're in this town and they employ dozens, if not hundreds of people, like they're huge employers. So I was aware of this business model. I worked at one of those companies. Um, and at that point, um, Vermont was slightly ahead of the rest of the country. Vermont, which is where my company is located, where I am, uh, was slightly ahead of the rest of the company in terms of the CBD industry. So we, yeah. you know, we, we were ahead of the, the farm bill by, you know, three years or something like that. So in those three years, we had a boom and a bust that the rest of the country saw three years later yeah. um, in the CBD industry. So I used that as the means to basically validate the business idea. It was, can I create marketable brands for some of these farm Vermont farmers who are growing hemp in their field, as opposed to mowing it for, you know, cow feed basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's exactly what we did. We, we, you know, we, we booked a bunch of projects, uh, not a bunch. In the in the first year and a half, we booked maybe like five projects. We built okay. like three websites, but we used those projects to validate the business idea and fund the bigger kind of build out that we needed to do for our web development product. Um, so by the time I was fired, I already had a validated idea. Um, we already had, you know, a dozen or so clients in on, on whatever spectrum of active. Um, yeah. And yeah, because I was, you know, thrown into the fire, I had to figure it out. So I basically, um, you know, gave myself two hours to be bummed. <laughs> and uh, I sold, you know, a pretty big project like the next day or something like that. You know, it was, it was like that. It was like, okay, enough you know enough emotions like let's go do yeah. this because now you have to um and did you did you pick up the phone and call that client and say hey i let me come help you or was it already in the works or how'd that happen i don't remember i don't remember the exact sale um but i do probably it was something that was like in the pipeline yeah. you know that i had been working and i just like slammed it down and, and closed it um i don't remember the specific sale i do remember hanging up the phone after they said send me a contract um and kind of that feeling of you know looking back in the mirror and being like hell yeah dude do you jump up you and down this. and celebrate i would have i was it was in my car and i was <laughs> driving i do remember that but it was like there was a moment where like my eyes like filled with tears and i was awesome. like you know i was like okay like this is all right. Yeah, yeah, I can pay my rent now, you know. 
Um, and that was, you know, February of 2018. And here we are. And I don't even know. What is it? December of 2022 and 13 employees, hundreds and hundreds of clients. Like I was right. <laughs> you know, that's it's awesome, like, man. but that, that's part of the entrepreneur. Like you have to like, you have to be motivated, ambitious, determined, because there's going to be, you know, to go to your original question, you're going to be hit. You're going to be punched a thousand times a day with hardships. And the easiest thing to do would be like, I'm, you know, I'm done. Yeah. But, you know, then you're just back where you started. So I, I don't mean to sound arrogant. I'm just, I, all, all I'm, all I'm trying to articulate is that there's like, it can be done. You just have to like not give up. I, I feel like Gar the Gary V is like playing in my brain. Like, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, so. I, I like to put it, uh, first of all, congrats on, on overcoming what you did and, and being what you are now as a brand. And, you know, I know there's a lot of great stories along the way too. I, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier in the episode and I've, I've had an episode on this and, talk to other entrepreneurs about this, but it, I'm so passionate about understanding your why and understanding. I feel like as a business owner, the first thing you need to do, or if you haven't done this already, you have a, a, a good business. Like if you understand why you're doing something, you understand the reason behind your, you know, call it your, your brand identity, call it your, you know, your vision, your mission, call it what you want. Right. But if you understand your personal why then the rest comes a lot easier the decisions yep. become easier to be made the the direction you take the company becomes easier and yeah one thing i see people get caught up on is they're like well i, I don't know exactly why well that's okay because you can yeah. always change it you can always alter it totally it's something that through each stage having that you know that plan that why and, and really understanding deep inside why you're doing something it really goes throughout your whole company. One hundred percent, Jim. And I would say that there's like not only is it normal for your why to evolve, but like you can have multiple whys, right? So yeah. for me, in those in in those early months after being fired, the why was survivalism. Like it was just I need right. to survive. I got I got a wife and two dogs, and you know we pay. You know, all, the all all the thing that people have, like we have that, and there's I, I need to be able to take care of that, and then you have to make sure that there's, and again, I hate using like cliches and and entrepreneurialisms, but like <laughs> the being purpose driven is is important. Yeah. Like it's okay to have selfish motivations. You're humans. Like you have to take care of yourself, but right. like. None of that, none of that is fun <laughs> unless there's a purpose in what you're doing. So like surviving is you got to survive or else you're dead. Right. Right. Um, and the, and the, how you survive is, is something different and the why there, I mean, they're two, 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 two totally different whys for me. So the personal why is, is survival and, uh, you know, autonomy although that's not quite the right word but uh uh self-sufficiency right like i like taking care of myself right and i can who's gonna do better job at taking care of myself than myself nobody so that's my selfish motivation my professional motivation is you know 
you got to put on your Superman costume. Like, why are you in this industry? So I'm in this industry for a couple reasons. The professional, you know, the, the personal reasons are I enjoy cannabis. I, uh, you know, I'm probably a capitalist who saw an opportunity and wanted to be in it. Um, those are also okay things. But the the superhero cape I wear is normalization. You know, like we do have a a true purpose and a value driven purpose in the work we do. So, like I said before, we're not a unicorn. We're not doing anything groundbreaking, really. We're awesome at what we do, but we're not doing yeah. anything that hasn't been done before. Um, we are doing something that has been done before, but not really in the cannabis industry. Like now there's, you know, we have a couple competitors, but um, who are all doing great work, but like that's relatively new. You know, we were, right. you know, <laughs> so that's. Uh, normalization is, is our why on the, you know, our mission statement, you know, like, so, so having your, your why reasons for yourself are one thing, but draw a parallel in that to your mission statement for the company you start. So let's talk about, you know, brand and, and marketing and, and really get into, you know, how it, how it ties into cannabis. And, you know, I know there's a lot of things in the cannabis industry that, you know, dispensaries and, and grow can't do, they can't, you know, go on to, to Facebook and advertise. They can't go on to, you know, Google and, and try to get clients that way. What are some of the ways that, you know, you've, you know, first of all, you start with brand identity for your company, right? Like making sure that you help with logos and, and everything else for, for brands. Um, and you build websites and focus on SEO. But, you know, let's, let's talk about the marketing side a little bit and, and tell me what you're, you've seen with brands being successful and um, on the digital marketing side. Well, let, can I bring it back even a little yeah. higher than that? Is absolutely one thing I've one thing I've noticed, and this is one thing that you know I I didn't know to do for Canna Planners in the very beginning, but I did maybe two or three years after it was understand who I'm talking to. Like right. first and foremost, like who's your customer, right? So for dispensaries, it's really easy to say, well, everybody who smokes weed is my customer. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. That's... Um, so you have to figure out who is that messaging, you know, before you even understand what your logo is going to be like, or what, what even your products are going to be, or, or what the messaging is, you have to understand who you're talking to. And that's not going to be, you know, in, in the, in the example of the dispensary, it's, it isn't everybody who smokes weed. It's, it's a very small subsection of people that smoke weed. And if we're being, you know, if we're being even more real than that, it should be all of the people who don't smoke weed yet, who maybe would align with your brand if you knew how to talk to them. Right? right. So in the very beginning, it's trying to understand like, who do these people hope walk in their store? Um, and we would define them, you know, we'd give them silly names like dispensary, Dan or something, <laughs> producer, Paul, yeah. or Frank, um, yep. you know, uh, and then try to, tailor a message and by message i don't necessarily mean like a an email i mean you know an ideal uh, a, a vibe vibes the right yep. word um you know help them flesh out what the vibe is based on who they hope to talk to that's, so that's pretty heady um especially in terms of like the you know most of that happens on the creative side um you know before we even build anything digitally but um, those are important questions to understand. You're not going to want to open a store and have it be, you know, a bright 
blue square when your customers are, you know, soft green circles. You know what I mean? That's um, and and to that point too, I just and before we go on with the the, the marketing side, yeah. we do the same thing for the merchandise. When we go into a, a client and <laughs> oh, I want to, you know, I just want a, a shirt to give away. It's like, no, you don't. You really don't. Because if you understood who your customer was, who you want your customer to be, who you want to walk through that door to either buy your 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 shirt or to you know tell their friends about your brand because they're wearing a product of yours. Like you have to make sure that your brand matches that product that it's on. And a lot of times, you know, brands and not even just in the cannabis industry, a lot of times brands for they they don't realize that. They just think, you know, I have a budget of X amount. I want to get as much for my budget as I can and throw it out there. It's like you're just pissing away money. Yep. You have to find out who your audience is. And, you know, it starts with your why, right? <laughs> like, yep. like, why are you doing this? Okay. Who are you doing this for? Who do you want in? And then coming up with a product for it. Yeah, totally. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to back into that, especially when someone comes to you saying, take my money. I want a t-shirt. And you're like, right. okay. And, and so prior to, um, Prior to Canna Planners, prior to being fired from my previous employer, I, I worked at Apple and, and that's some Kool-Aid I drank big time. And that's, you know, that's where I really cut my teeth in terms of sales and and asking that those kinds of questions, because a person will walk in the door of an Apple store and be like, I want, uh, you know, the biggest, baddest, fastest thing you sell. And you ask a few questions and it turns out they need an iPod which don't, they don't <laughs> exist anymore, but you, you get my point. You know what I mean? Like, right. You, you don't need any of those things. Here's, here's, but here's what I sh would like, I'll sell you that, but here's what you actually want. Right? right. So it's, it's understanding. And I think having the confidence to kind of see through the bullshit that people, you know, clients say to their vendors, you know, cause there's a, there's a, you know, there's a controlling always, there's just some sort of, you know, uh, desire to lead even though you're paying someone to to lead you right right um so you know you got to be able to cut through that bullshit and say this is you know this is what we do and here's what you need exactly take, take it or don't i you know that's up to you but this is yeah this is what you need that's a good point so so back and i kind of derailed it there but back to the the original question on the marketing yeah. side of things right like the digital marketing and you know, how are, how are you seeing cannabis brands being successful right now in getting the word out there, you know, through what you're doing and, and helping them to do? Yeah. Well, like I said, so our, our, our main digital services is our website development, right? Which is, you know, um, well, I'll, I'll make my analogies. There's website development and then there's kind of the stuff you do after you develop a website. And, and uh, an analogy I often make is the website is your brick and mortar, right? And we build beautiful brick and mortars, but you got to have like, like signs and streets and lights and a parking lot. And that's what drives value to this cool brick and mortar I built you. So building a website is cool. Good for you. Like maybe yeah. someone will find it and that'd be awesome. But it's a tool to get people into your store and all of the things that we do post launch 
add more value to that. So it's it's simple. It's creating it's creating that cohesive, good looking, which sounds you know subjective, but a good UX is very important, especially because most people are you know a lot of people who use cannabis and shop at you know uh, dispensaries or medical patients. So we want to create an yeah. uh, you know an experience that is uh, tailored to just being used easily right yeah just good user experience um that's simple stuff but the post-launch stuff also pretty straightforward again it's not like you know groundbreaking but it's understanding after we've developed this look and feel it's it's really like hitting it home through understanding what these people like what kind of content these people are looking for or how they would find a website like this and then creating content around it. So that, that SEO factor and like, you know, people going to Google, like when I, when I drive down to Massachusetts and I'm staying at whatever hotel in Boston, I'm, you know, doing a dispensary near me search. Yeah. So we capitalize on all that stuff. We want to make sure that um, people are finding the brands that we're building uh, organically. That's basically all we got and we can get into that because that's not exactly the case anymore um yeah but we're using organic solutions to capture uh you know an audience online and and turn those people into customers um it is you know just in terms of the, the marketing of it it's it's keyword research and then applying that in a specific voice and that's what we've sorted out in the creative stage because we know who the customer is and we understand yeah. who this business wants to be um and then because of social right people aren't getting locked out of mailchimp accounts they're not getting kicked out of the clavio platform because they're talking about cannabis so these are platforms that end users can can really have ownership over and don't need to use cloaked language and you know innuendo and stuff like that i can talk to directly to customers um and drive a actual roi because we can, you know, we can now track how many people have clicked through from welcome messages or yeah. whatever. Um, but it's the consistency. It's the consistency. It's really what it is for all the content. You know, cl clients will we'll pitch an SEO strategy and clients will be like, well, can I just do this for three months? And we say, sure. Like, you yeah. can also just like throw that money away because like what we do now isn't impacted for nine months or 12 months. So like, these are, these are just things you do, you know, it's just putting gasoline in the car, you know, the websites, the car and all these other things we do are just the gas that we fill it with. Right. And a lot of people, I know not even in the cannabis industry, but they think, you know, everybody's looking for that short term fix, right? Like, what am I going oh to do now to drive immediate impact? And, you know, thank so a lot close. of the social for that, but you know, SEO is such a powerful, that organic traffic is so important and so powerful. And so many people, like, I think they neglect it because they're not, they don't get excited about that long-term solution and they don't realize it does take longer than three months. It, it, it takes what, like up to a year in cases. Yeah, definitely. But also like go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is who's the customer and I'm going to make up a bunch of numbers. I'm just going to make up numbers. Okay. In Burlington, let's say there's, you know, there's a hundred people who live in town and 10 of them smoke weed, right? So there's 90 people who don't smoke pot, right? So you're battling between your other dispensaries for those 10 people. Meanwhile, yeah. you should all be focusing on those 90 people and, 
you know, speaking to them, educating them on medicinal uses of cannabis or like what the difference between, you know, whatever it is, like we're doing the research on like what kinds of information these people are looking for, but there's a whole sector of people that, uh, you know, were affected by the war on drugs or are now reaching an age where they're considering, maybe they just didn't consider cannabis in their life, you know, but now they're, they're older and they're like, I can't sleep or my knee hurts or whatever. Um, that that's the target market, right? There's way more people that don't smoke cannabis than do. And a lot of, you know, through some education, you can capture some of that market share. That's a great point. That's a really good point. Which, which brings me to the paid thing. So like, here's the loophole and paid. So we can't put, you know, willsdispensary.com on Google ads, but we can put Will's education, you know, Will's dispensary education.com on Google ads. And as long as we're, so you're, you're conflating the funnel, so to speak, you're adding more layers to the funnel, which is counterintuitive. Right. But those are the, you know, those are the hardships of working in the cannabis industry. You got to learn how to like, you know, roll with the dice. Yeah. And in this case, it, it makes sense because you're educating and then you're every touch point and you're, you're getting that email and then doing the email, you know, reach out, outreach, like you talked about, and it all comes back. It's a big cycle. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a loophole where we're working on, you know, it's a whole other website, um, but then a campaign, an educational campaign or, or a Google ads campaign pushing educational bits of content. That's great. I love that. We've seen, uh, we've been able to see through our, our agency, a lot of, uh, you know, connecting on social and connecting with the community through the, through the merchandise. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's a lot about making sure that that product you put out that you spend your money on is the right product. Otherwise it doesn't do any good. It, it actually has a, a different effect when you have a premium brand and you're putting out a, a garbage product just for a budget it doesn't usually work well. Right. And uh, tell me what you think of this. Cause this is something, you know, again, this is a, a common thing, but I wonder how you pitch it. So you have those people who do, they are a premium brand, but maybe they want to cut corners. Do you ever encourage them to create an alternate brand? Right. So, okay. You want to, you want to cut corners. Why don't you create a, a, a not premium brand, a, a general brand, a, a generic brand or whatever um, that you can talk to these people, but you have a premium brand here. You should be spending premium dollars to, to capture that audience. It you know, we have a, a lot whole of other, like, yeah. it's a, that's a great channel that you just said. And and we've seen a lot of our grow partners that they they do that. They have multiple brands that they're selling because they do have their premium brand and their, you know, uh, their, their brands that they would say are mid grade or, you know, even lower. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, really for me, when it comes to that conversation, it's, it's about, it does, if they were thinking a t-shirt, and they had a five dollar per item budget, and they wanted to do a thousand of them. It's it's getting away from the idea that a t shirt's the product, and it's getting into an idea that what is a product that fits within that budget that's premium, that actually really speaks to your customer, that speaks to the community that you're trying to get in front of. And it's different for every brand, and that's why it's you know it's not a price list like hey let's just do these products. It's like who is again the customer you're trying to get in your store, who do you want to be in front of? Yeah. And then figuring out that product that works within that price point. And so 
you can be premium and figure out a premium product that doesn't cost a lot. But it's it's the other things in the delivery and then, you know, the follow up on the delivery, all those things that, that make a difference that I feel a lot of brands aren't aren't understanding the importance of. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's, you know, t just, there's a bit of, uh, you know, practicing what we preach for sure. Like most of the content we create for ourselves is, is educational marketing one-on-one stuff. Yeah. Um, because we we constantly find ourselves having those conversations, you know, and it's, it's not that it gets old there, but there's a constant uphill battle in terms of like, you know, that's, I guess that's the nature of any company is you have to establish your value and be able to, to persuade other people to see it too. But, um, we're always educating people, dude. Education is so. huge, it's, especially in the cannabis industry. I mean, it's, it's something new. It's something that people need to be educated on. It's something that, you know, there's a lot of people that are good at what they do in the industry, but they're not good at everything. Yeah. So it's good for to have different partners that, can educate on the, the ways to grow and the ways, ways to build a brand and whatever it might be um, and let yep. them really focus on what they're good at. And there's people like me younger than me, but like me in that, like it's their first, you know, venture and yeah. it's in cannabis. So not everybody has that, you know, maybe seasoned business acumen to even like know what to ask. You know what I mean? Um, that That's how it was for me for sure. Yeah. Well, well, it's been awesome. I, I'm I'm so stoked to be able to spend this this time together and remote start nation. I hope you take some of what Will used here and, and we talked about and put that into what you're doing. And um, you know, before we go, would you let the remote start nation know where they can find you and uh, yeah. you know how to contact you if they're interested in you know some of what you've talked about today and uh, how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So if you if you guys search me on LinkedIn, um, which, by the way, a great social network for cannabis companies like LinkedIn does not care that you work in cannabis. They're pretty, pretty cool about it. Um, so the way you can talk about your companies on LinkedIn is different than how you would talk about it on Instagram. But you can find us at all of those places at Canna Planners, except for Facebook for some reason, which is at 420 Web. Um, and my apologies <laughs> to the company, 420 Web. If you'd like that URL, it's yours. Just call me. I'll get it to you. I don't care. Um, uh, you can find me for sure on my website, cannaplanners.com. Uh, hit me up through the form there. I'd love to talk to all of you. I also have a podcast. It's called Common Sense Amia. Um, so search for that on YouTube. If you just search can of planners on YouTube, it'll come up, but I also interview entrepreneurs to try to demystify some of this craziness that we all go through every day. Um, so yeah, you can check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And hope you have a great rest of your day and remote start nation. Take what you heard today and put it into action and go start something. We'll talk to you soon. Well, we've come to the end of another episode. I want to thank you for allowing me to share my passion of bringing people together through business and branding in hopes to connect you with your community. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Woodward Movement, the leader in brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. Check out our remotestartpodcast.com for more episodes and our social channels to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you build a strong community for your business. I'm Jim Doyon. 
Thank you for connecting.